Support for Boston Public Radio comes from Bernadine Sung Megason with Compass Real Estate, serving buyers and sellers throughout Greater Boston. Learn more at homesbybernadine.com. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Browdy and Mardrigan live from our GBH studio at the Boston Public Library. McDonald's is the latest fast food enterprise to give new meaning to the nothing burger. The Golden Arches will be testing a plant-based patty in Canada. And speaking of nothing burger, this is unbelievable. Is all our hand-wringing about the hazards of eating red and processed meats in vain? New guidelines suggest it may have been, but should these guidelines be trusted? Join us to go over these and other headlines about food policy and food culture as food writer Corby Cummer. Corby is the executive director of the Food and Society Policy Program at the Aspen Institute, senior editor at The Atlantic, and a senior lecturer at the Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition, Science, and Policy. Hello, Corby Cummer. Hello. Hello, Corby Cummer. Well, I personally have signed off any of these food studies because, you know, first coffee is going to kill you, then it's not going to kill you, then it's low fat, then it's high this fat, then it's butter. This is big, though, Marjorie. Then it's margarine. Okay, you may say it's big. I'm very suspicious of them all. But now this uh, new study by something I never heard of the Annals of Internal Medicine, uh, says that uh, keep eating all the red meat. They have been quickly criticized by everybody else, American Heart Association, Cancer Society, T.H. Chan School of Public Health at Harvard University, etc. Uh, so do we know who's right here? Yeah. All of us who have been saying red meat is disastrous for the environment, probably not good for your health, very bad for methane gas and climate change are right. That's who's right. Yeah, but that's an evasive answer. I knew you were going to say that. The answer <laughs> you is... You are. Rudy they, Giuliani no, over there. <laughs> no, it's really important. Half of what you said is totally true. This report is not suggesting that the climate change implications, which we've discussed with you ad nauseum, are not as severe. What the report is saying is that the evidence is not as clear as many respected nutritionists and food science people have suggested. My biggest concern here, beyond whoever you think is right, is this will feed, and I don't mean that as a pun, this will feed the Marjorie Egans of the world who say, you can't trust any of these people. As she says, remember butter was on the front page, what was it, Time Magazine or uh, Newsweek or something? Uh, then it was no butter, then it's red and processed meat, you're gonna kill you and give you cancer. How does an average person, I mean this sincerely, who does not have your credentials, who's reading the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever, watching television, listening to us today, how the hell do they know who's telling the truth and what to do? So this is Merchants of Doubt 101. I went to bed last night after reading the Times story saying, I hope Jim doesn't see this. <laughs> and then I woke up and I thought, you know, it's really build high and he's going to see it. And indeed, Chelsea wrote it. me and said, we're doing this. Why was I so angry and upset? Because Gina Collada, a reporter at the Times who... Forever, right? forever and forever reviled for her AIDS reporting in HIV. And because oh, my pals in the community thought she should have been um, severely reprimanded, well, I think on. there what'd was... You, what'd she do wrong? Um, she would jump on findings and skew them. Now, I'm saying this without having looked into the details, dug up what my friends had to say. I kept out of it because unless I was a fact checker, I was going and looking, and I'm not an HIV scientist, I didn't know. I just knew that my pals whom I relied on didn't like her reporting. 
So here I am smearing her with no first-hand knowledge, for which I apologize. But I read this, and steam came out of my ears. Oh, by the way, she didn't do the research. I read it no, in the Washington Post, No, but let me too. tell you the way the she played it. The of Internal Medicine. Who let yeah. are they? No, the Annals of Internal That's Medicine is a big, big serious, yeah, important they, journal. Yeah. Okay. But here's the way she played it, the way a reporter wants to. They raise uncomfortable questions about dietary advice. She's right. Um, Harvard T. Chan School of Public Health and the American Heart Association, the American Cancer Society, huge important groups have savaged the findings in the journal that published them. So as soon as you read that, you think, I'm going to go straight for those findings because I'm for the underdog and I'm for the truth in journalism. So while we're just talking about this, let's tell people what this is about. So this is about looking at a whole bunch of observational studies of people who eat red meat and saying, uh, as opposed to people who don't, and saying, did they get more cancer? Did they get more heart disease? How robust and strong is the evidence? And finding that it was weak. And any time you look at these observational studies, as opposed to the kind of causal, you lock people up in a room and you give them red meat, you lock but people up and you don't give them red meat. Do that here. That's exactly the problem. So the minute you want to go in to figure out uh, you know, the way, minute you want to go in and say, the meat industry hates this, how am I going to find evidence that red meat isn't so bad? You, you go in, you gather a whole bunch of studies, and you make them say what you want. Um, now, I'm saying that because I once did a four-hour uh, seminar at uh, Harvard with a bunch of national health researchers about saturated fat, which red meat is full of saturated fat. And it they one by one attacked these big meta-studies. Meta-studies take lots and lots of studies that have been over the years and say, what are the trends here? What can we really see? And they all said to me, they can be just as biased as an individual study. And that's what I felt seeing this. But, but again, you don't know, uh, Corbett, you don't know that it's no, biased. No, I'm not. This is a credible operation here. And by the way, I, I would err on the side that you are erring on the side. Let me read. This is Associated Press. It's not Gina Please Colada. Please do. Yeah. Eating red meat is linked to cancer and heart disease, but are the risks big enough to give up burgers and steak? A team of international researchers says probably not contradicting established advice in a series of papers published Monday. Researchers say the increased risks are small and uncertain, and that cutting back likely would not be worth it for people who enjoy meat. So again, you know, in that Harvard thing you did for four hours, arguably everybody in that room has the level of skill and experience to make an informed decision. But mm -hmm. I think this thing is an unmitigated disaster for the American public. I don't mean about red meat. I mean about everything. Because most people are going to catch a snippet of this on the evening news and sort of say, Forget and say, the whole thing. Forget, forget the, the whole thing. thing. Eat what you like, because they're all full of it. I mean, doesn't that worry you? Absolutely, and that's why okay. I uh, I could barely go to sleep thinking of Jim getting his hands on this story. I had a salami sandwich for breakfast, by the way. But of course, the public stories. is going to. There are a lot of lessons to bring from this. One is this is merchants of doubt. I really want to know who funded this study, even though they say we did not have conflicts mm -hmm. of interest. We were not funded by the I meat industry, as my pal Marion Nestle and food 
foodpolitics.com said, boy, do I want to know the backstory of this. The other thing is merchants of doubt. It's the same thing with climate change. It was the same thing with smoking. If you find some weak link or you drive a wedge into what seemed to be solid evidence, you are then casting doubt on the entire enterprise. That's what this is doing. Uh, and it's ignoring climate change. Well, that part is totally true. Well, hold on for a second. One thing I did wonder about, we talked to you a while ago about how um, everybody used to say, go for the low-fat milk, go for the skim milk. And, and then th we decided it wasn't so bad to have whole milk, which I have been doing nonstop since I read that initial study. And I thought part of the reason it was okay to have whole milk and whole yogurt is because the link to red disease was not as significant as it had been. I yep. thought it was satiety, too, the other word you taught me. Isn't yeah. that satiety part yeah. of it as well? Satiety has so much to do with it, and Jim, you've really absorbed that word. I have and very you well. Pronounce it right. Meaning you. feeling of fullness. Right. And it prevents well, you it from, does work. It prevents you from eating other kinds of calories. Um, but uh, something that you just said from the AP story is true of almost all studies, which is how do you translate a big group finding to you, Jim Browdy, and you, Marjorie Egan? Yeah. It's very hard to dictate personal choice based on big studies. Well, I think you just have to be moderate, don't you? You can't eat five cheeseburgers. Can't? No, I don't think so. Every That's day or seven cheeseburgers a week. I mean, and isn't that what My colleague at Tufts, Alice Lichtenstein, is quoted in the Times story saying something as she always does very sensible, which is, so you look at the people who have one hamburger every day or something, uh, they're heavy red meat eaters, do you think they're having yogurt and salad at lunch? Or do you think they're having a lot of Coca-Cola and French Meaning fries? Meaning it may be Coke and the French fries. What else are right, they right, eating exactly. and what are their dietary habits more. in general? But we I can don't stay know. with the whole milk and the whole yogurt, correct? Marjorie, I'm not going to dispense individual advice okay. to you. Right. On the and radio, by the way, when you're having the whole milk, have a cheeseburger with it. That's okay. my advice. All right. That's We're Jim's based on last night. Our so, food guy. So this does kind of take the wind out of the sails of McDonald's a little bit. It's testing these plant-based burgers in Canada. Why does it's it take the wind out so of the sails? so much does not take the wind out of the okay. sails. I'm on a tear today. <laughs> Why is that? Because the founders of Impossible and Beyond Meat were our straight dyed in the wool environmentalists. Okay. This was why they founded these companies. All right. This is their whole thing. They will not use the V word for vegan. They won't talk about vegetarianism. All they will say is this is better for the planet. Which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so thank you, Marjorie. Yeah, well, it's a big well, deal. Looking forward to the plant based burgers oh from McDonald's. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> this is an awful story, speaking of meat about these prisons in Texas God. and these meat manufacturers selling all this tainted meat. In one case said this is not to be consumed by human and beings. And by the way, knowing that it was tainted meat. Doing it on purpose. Going at off hours, oh, calling yeah. in workers late at night so they could essentially circumvent all the regulation, all the inspections right. such as it is, and sell stuff that potentially could be deadly to prisoners there. It is part of the whole movement in this country to treat prisoners as animals, as refuse, uh, as members of society who don't deserve any kind of humane treatment, which is defeating the whole purpose of the correctional system, which is trying to get people back into society. How in the world do they expect these people to come back in and want to be productive members of society when they've been abused in prison, which is this. It was paying no attention to food safety for meat that went into uh, prisons and also one company that said, 
All right, if the meat, and this is going to gross everybody out, if the meat from hearts has been legal forever in hamburgers, so the actual muscle meat, because as you know, heart is the most powerful muscle in the body, if that muscle can be included in ground meat, but the ventricles, the veins, the aorta, all that stuff can't be. And so one meat company would send people in in the night when the inspectors weren't there and yeah. say, cut up the valves and put them in. It probably, that part didn't affect food safety. It's just this kind of contempt and second-class citizens. These people aren't really people. You know what's really depressing, too, that you read this earlier story when they were um, selling meat to the prisons in Texas that was not for human consumption. Mm -hmm. They paid a fine. I would guess if that Texas meat processor went to jail. Exactly. That's exactly that the right. The guy that just did it and pled guilty would not have done it. And I, I think we have to somehow change these laws so that we don't but have to But we discuss this all the time about corporate criminals. They pay fines. It's a cost of doing business. And there's no incentive not and to do it again. Such yeah. a low cost. Imagine what it's going to do to all these varsity blues people. Felicity Hoffman, we know, is going for two weeks, a short amount of time. And she is below on the totem pole. And she expressed great remorse. But some of these millionaires and billionaires are going to be doing two months, three months, maybe some of them will even do six months. Imagine how that will change their perspective on the world. Wait, especially getting um, ventricles and Well, I don't think they're going to have to worry about that. The they're going to be like Jeffrey Epstein prison, don't you think, for the most part? Jeffrey Epstein was so upset about where he was in prison. He was in uh, he was in a horrible prison in Manhattan. Remember, he spent 12 No, no, no hours I'm talking about when he was in Florida for oh, his 13 oh. months of alleged I don't think so. incarceration. Martha, Martha Stewart was in a federal... In. She was in a federal prison. I don't think it's... Um, Fun and games. We're talking to uh, Corby Cummer. Corby, uh, uh, speaking of Donald Trump, were we speaking of Donald Trump? We were at some point today. Tariffs. Uh, Chinese tariffs on lobsters coming from the United States, 35%. Uh, as a result, lobster imports uh, to China are down 80%, which is obviously very bad news for a lot of business people and fishermen in this uh, neck of the woods. Yes? Yes, and, and here you are, you have Vince Mortiaro, uh, owner of Mortiaro Lobster in Gloucester, saying that because his sales to China went down 25%, he had to lay off employees and trim costs. This is better than the two big companies that went under because there's been an 80% drop in a year in lobster exports to China. And, and this guy in, in Gloucester is saying, we spent $3 million on infrastructure. Six months later, we're hit with all these tariffs. It's a bitter pill to swallow. He did not then go on to say, nonetheless, I, pres I support President Trump, which is the way the soybean they farmers have, in have. Iowa say, sure, we've lost all our market, but China had it coming. So this has hit home here in New England. Big seafood companies, uh, too. Uh, were quoted in this Globe piece as saying that they went under. And, you know, again, in Gloucester, represent, uh, Representative Ann Margaret Ferrante, Democrat in Gloucester, said trade wars are hurting not just lobstermen, but other sectors of the seafood industry. Processors, wholesalers, supermarkets, mm -hmm. and restaurants. We, because we know lobster fishermen and the lobster biz around here, can start seeing, oh, here's all the corollary damage. Here are all the ancillary businesses that are going to get bashed because of these tariffs. Start thinking about it in the meat, the pork processing industry, pork's gone way down. In soybeans, because Brazil's taking over the world market, these entire towns are going to die because of this useless trade war. Speaking you know, of climate change, isn't the lobster business around here being badly hurt by the 
lobsters go in a can. You're absolutely right. Because of climate change, the ocean's warming up. And so the most fertile lobster fishing grounds have pretty much moved north to Canada. Yeah. You know, by the way, I, I had Nestor Ramos on last night from oh, the Globe who wrote that piece, the piece investigative piece, the, the Globe. Did. He's going to be on with us on the radio in the next a couple of days. I'm not so sure upsetting. which day. The, we knew this, this factoid before, but I had forgotten it. Uh, the waters in and around the Cape are warming faster than 99% of the world's oceans and other waterways, just on faster than 99%. You know, by the way, we always try to bring you the latest uh, news, breaking news. Someone just emailed me a story that was posted on The Hill, which is one of our favorite sites yes. a few minutes ago. Reporters scramble after a mouse falls from White House ceiling. <laughs> and here's the tweet from Peter Alexander, from, he's the NBC White House correspondent. He says, in other news, he tweeted this, a mouse literally fell out of the ceiling in our White House booth and landed on my lap. So we don't want you to miss that story, obviously. It's the oh, latest a little levity up out the of, uh, unless it fell on your lap. We just thought the White House was bugged. So Very speaking of good. bugs, uh, we had a couple of women, young women from Harvard on years and years and years ago, who I looked up this morning, I think, Chelsea, am I right? Six Foods, is that what it was called? I think it was called Six Foods. They were two kids who were young entrepreneurs, and they essentially wanted to create a business where we ate bugs, where we ate insects. Yeah. And I think Six Foods is, do insects have six legs or something like that? I think they do. I think that's where it came from. And so now there is a move, I guess, for protein, well, whatever it is, for people to eat more insects. Is that right? You know this story. This I do? This is a long-going story. Well, I know yeah, it now. Yeah, there's a big move to um, increase Americans' ingestion of insects. Well, the way Mexicans, the way South Americans, the way Africans for millenniums, we're taught to say millenniums, not millennia, have been eating that. insects and, con and considering them a delicacy, liking their sourish or salty scent, the beetles, the ants in, in Mexico. Uh, it became a trend even, I think, um, Bondier, I think even Jason Bond was serving uh, crickets on something uh, or ants. You know, human beings, not human beings, Americans don't like it because we've been acculturated to dislike insects and think they're really gross. And what's the what's the plus again? Was that right? Is it protein or what is the... Oh, it's the clean protein. It's cheap. It's incredibly efficient. And it's incredibly easy. You know, it has salt. It has salty crunch. So uh, since you taught me the word satiety, which I not only hadn't heard, I couldn't pronounce. But you have to use it three times what's a day. How do you pronounce the word uh, for eating? Entomography. Entomography. No, there's no R. Wait. There's no R. Entomophagy. Entomophagy. Thank you right. very much. Like dirt has so phagy at the are we end discussing here. this because this is picking up steam, this movement in the United States? Or are we discussing <clears throat> it because people you know, like you think it should pick up steam? I, you know, I'll tell you why we're discussing it. Because the, the Times decided they wanted to run a photo feature on it. <laughs> it is a very popular subject. It... Uh, I remember two years ago at, at Christmas during the wave of books, I got three books about eating insects and how to incorporate them into our diet. Instead? Why don't we want? Eat beans instead. They're, they're not Absolutely. Bad the yeah. You are full I'll, of nutritional I'll advice go, as well as yeah. full of beans, me, I hope. What's the difference in eating an insect and eating a hamburger? Because uh, the idea of chewing and in, biting into a nice little uh, uh, little. Uh, hornet is Do you ever have a chocolate exciting. ant in your whole life? You yes, never have a chocolate ant? Yes, when I was a kid on a dare. Okay. It was and crunchy. Very crunchy. But I'm serious. What? Chocolate covered. So is the, it's the it's the consistency that troubles you or the concept? It's the concept. And could you get used to it? No. 
Okay, fine. We're uh, talking to Corby Comer. It. It's the concept. It's we're programmed in our lives. We're programmed to dislike insects. The Mexicans are it. Africans are it. Uh, wh why are you making a face? Because we are programmed to dislike the insects. I mean, think about this summer trying to get the ants running around your house, right? You had to get the little ant houses and hope they didn't invade all your nice baked goods you just got from the bakery. So, Corby, time for anything else? Yeah, we only have a couple of minutes left. I, I, I can't tell you, how many stories have we done with you about the angst that chefs in Europe are suffering oh, over not getting, hoping to get, losing a Michelin star. Didn't a guy kill himself a couple of years ago in a major chef? Because he, not because he lost the star, because he was worried about losing a star? Was that Bernard Voisin. That's the guy. Yeah. And so this guy, so now so, this some guy who Mark lost Rayroth. from three to two, two is not nothing, is suing because he say the Michelin people, is that how you pronounce it, Michelin or Michelin, whatever it is. You know, all we care about is how you pronounce the title. <laughs> exactly. It's Michelin. So Michelin is because they, uh, he thinks they thought that he had cheddar cheese, which is, I assume, a cardinal sin in some dish, <laughs> rather than what he was supposed to? Is that the basis for this incredibly important yeah, lawsuit? Yeah, he had reblochon, beaufort, exactly. and I was tum. Say. So, not like Tums, but T-O-M-M-E, which is a mountain cheese. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know what? He was essentially being accused of putting a foreign cheese, an English cheese, into his uh, rigorously French and absolutely local cheese souffle. And what he was doing was kind of like what your meat people are doing. What is that? He tried to say through this one error, the entire system should be distrusted. Oh. They were not accurate about my cheese souffle, so imagine how inaccurate they are around the world wow. in every single review they do. Can I say, I don't want to break a little news here. We're going to put a press release. Marjorie and I are filing a friend of the court brief in defense, in, on behalf of the chef in this individual <laughs> case, because we're upset about the chair. I would like too. to also point out that about five or six emailers immediately emailed to tell me that they suspect that the mouse that fell from the ceiling in the White House is, in fact, a rat. But I'm bummed. Thank you Corby, very much. thank you very much. Corby, nice to see you. Corby is executive you. director of the Food and Science Society Policy at Aspen Institute, a senior editor at The Atlantic, and a senior lecturer at the Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy. Thank you, Corby. Up next. A year after Jamal Khashoggi was murdered, Frontline's Martin Smith investigates. He's next on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio, live from the WGBH studio at the Boston Public Library.